Thank you for that trio. Boys and girls, you may slip out. It's really special to sit up here. You see, we've got these two monitors on the stage. They're big enough to blow out the Invesco Stadium. <laughs> I mean, these are really the, so when you sit up here and somebody's singing down there, you get the full effect. That doesn't mean you get to gather up here on every special from now on. Just want you to know it's really nice up here. Okay, boys and girls are gone. Everybody turn, please, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, our life, shall appear. And then we could stick in there without hurting the scriptures at all. What a day that will be. There is a verse that speaks to our special music. When Christ, our life, shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. Because of that, that, that hope, that wonderful, blessed, certain hope, we should then mortify our members. Pushing away as though we're dead to them, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. We should also be putting off, verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication, any obscene, improper communication. It's everywhere today. Everybody thinks they have the right to it. Everybody is using it. You can't go into a room full of female secretaries and not hear it. It's going on everywhere. But it should not be true of believers. And I was with a couple recently that was saying, I can't believe how many Christians are using horrible, foul language. Oh, really? Well, all they need to do is look at the Scriptures and see that they are to put it off and you can use that with them, take them to Colossians and say, what does the scripture command you? Put that off. I got sidetracked, didn't I? Furthermore, lie not, verse 9, one to another. Put off lying. Because, verse 10, you have put on the new man. It was renewed through the knowledge of the scriptures in Christ Jesus. He is the one that created in the first place, and now he wants to create the believer into his image. It's a constant upward, progressive movement toward a sanctified life. And anyone can be that new man, we said, verse 11. Any man crosses all boundaries, Greek, Jew, all nationality boundaries, circumcision, uncircumcision, all rituals of man, barbarian, Scythian, all social stratus, bond or free, everybody can come under that new man experience. So at that point, I was talking about that last week, and I was talking about this new man, this bondman that was being sent by Paul back to, and I don't know if this is Sunday school or morning service, he was being sent back to his master. His master's name was Philemon. I'm getting this right now. I'm looking for Jessica to make sure. Thankfully, Jessica corrected me back there, but I didn't take her correction. Next time, raise your hand. It was Onesimus, the bad guy. He was the slave that had run away. Now he's a brother in Christ. And therefore he would deserve to be treated by Philemon, his master. Yes, it was a network of things that went on in the ancient world. He was to be treated by his master as a brother in Christ. Because this new man crosses all boundaries. Verses 12 and following is where we are now. Hoping to finish this message today. 
was supposed to be two parts. This is the third part. Paul goes on to say, put on, here it is, folks, put these wonderful wraps on. They're good for you. Layer them on. Layer them on. You won't get too many layers of goodness and the graces of the Spirit of God. Put on, therefore, you that are elect of God, holy, beloved. Let me remind you of that, of everything that we said about that. Let's lock on to. We are elect of God. We are holy. We are beloved. All of these come because of the faith that we have utilized to trust in Christ that puts us in a, in a very special status. And it would stand to reason then that we should put these things on to maintain our side of the status. I heard somebody preaching recently and they said, do you realize that every man on earth is, is uh, presented with two questions? And the answer accordingly. One, will you accept the salvation that Christ has for you? And your answer will be yes or no. All of mankind is under that. Your answer, will you accept the salvation that Jesus Christ brings you by the cross, by the shed blood? The second, if you will accept it, if you'll say yes, will you now live for him? Because he's your life. Will you put these things on? And there are a lot of people who say, yes, I did say yes to this, but I've said no to this so far. So far, I'm living like the world. I'll live like the world, thank thank you. And I will get to heaven, thank you. And the Bible says, yet so as by fire. That's the phraseology. The Christian that wants to to maintain that status of elect of God, uh, beloved and holy, hold up our side of it, will say, I need to put these things on. And then we also said that Peter said to us, 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing that we are in the last days, that these horrible things must come to pass. He had just talked about the elements melting with fervent heat. He said, knowing these things are about to happen. Well, if it was about to happen 2,000 years ago, where are we now? Oh, well, we could tell Peter it's going on now. He'd be going, ugh. And then he goes on to say, what manner of persons ought we to be in a holy lifestyle? He uses the word conversation, the old English. Our lifestyle ought to be that of holiness. And so we ought to be putting these things on. And we've looked at a few of them. Put on, he says. Mercy, that bent toward compassion and pity of others. Put on kindness, that is, the the happy demeanor that draws other people in. Think right now of somebody in our church who is just so joyous, you always want to be around them. You're not thinking of the pastor, I know that. But somebody, they're just smiling all the time. They have a kind spirit about them. And now, my question would be, based on the fact that this is a command to put on kindness, did somebody think of you? Did somebody in the room think of you? I was thinking of Wally. I just like to be around Wally. You can see him going around, the, like it's like, kind of like a restaurant to him before church. He's going around to all the tables, checking to see if everybody's got their silverware, got, got their cups just, it's just nice to have kindness like that. Did they think about you? It's a direct command that we put on. Kindness. And the next one that we looked at is meekness. That meekness is something that where 
where we are under the Spirit's control, but we do not lack the power of God to do what he gives us to do. But understanding that meekness shows that the power comes from another source and not from us. And that the power is not to be used to our pride or to lift us up. The power is to be used to, to that other. The power is to be used for that other. And that other, in our case, is the Christ who is our life. And then we looked at long-suffering. And that was a transition point. Long-suffering transitions to the next one, forbearance. Long-suffering is that, that willingness to stop and realize that everybody is not the same. To give opportunity for people to have their personality. To understand that words can be said that weren't meant to be harmful, but they, they were. Some of us are so, so careful with our words. Some of us are not so careful, and therefore the rest of us will need to use forbearance. And I'm telling you, the person that does the most talking has the greatest chance of saying something offensive. So please forgive me when I say something that just hurts your little feelings. And if you really need an apology, come let me know. I'm willing to apologize if I've hurt your feelings, because I'm doing all the talking in this room. If you were up here doing all the talking, you might say something offensive too. But we need to be very, very careful. We need to be very careful in what we write and what we say and what we text. We talked about that. After the service, Brother Power was with us, Grandpa Power. He left the next day or left later that day. I don't know. He said, I heard this story. And you know what? The story he told me I heard again on the radio yesterday. And you've probably heard it too. This lady came to her pastor, as the story goes, and said, oh, I've said said so many mean things. And, of course, she was hoping that all those people were long-suffering with her, I'm sure. I've said so many mean things. How can I make this right? So the pastor said, here's a bag of feathers. Go put one on the doorstep of everybody that you've been mean to with your mouth. Everybody you've slandered, all libelous speech, everything you've said, something, put a feather on their porch. Then come back and see me. So she goes and does that. (laughs) Her bag was empty when she got back. She goes, I did it. So the pastor said, now go back and get all those feathers. Okay. She goes back out in a little bit. She comes back all forlorn. Pastor, they couldn't find the feathers. They blew away. Wink, wink, wink. You got it. You're smarter than I am. That's as much as Brother Power told me. That's what happens when we throw something out there thinking that uh, it won't stick on the wall, but it will stick. It's mud and it sticks and it hurts. So we've got to be very careful. But the fact of the matter is those things still happen in human interaction because we are humans, because we talk one to another, because we really do want to communicate. Something can be done or said that causes us to need to put on long-suffering. That brings us to the next one. Go back to the scriptures now. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Put on, therefore, elect of God, holy, beloved, you need bowels of nurses, you need kindness, you need uh, humbleness of mind, you need meekness, you need long-suffering, and then verse 13, forbearance. You have your notes in front of you. You have one word you need to fill in. I think we did it last week. It, forbearance is a disposition to take the wrong, to be ready to take the wrong, rather than to seek our rights or seek to exonerate ourselves To the hurt of the whole, the word hurt goes in the blank. 
I'm going to make this right, and in front of everybody, I'm going to go off on you so that I can straighten this matter out because I don't like what you said about me or whatever. And the next thing you know, everybody is upset. Do you understand when that happens? They either have to take your side or the other person's side, and neither one is good. You have now caused a division. You have now caused a split rather than just taking it. Forbearance. The disposition to take the wrong rather than to seek our rights. And Paul spoke to this in uh, in 1 Corinthians. As he's writing to the Corinthians, he's talking about their divisiveness. And in chapter 6, the, verse, the verses that we looked at last week, I'm talking fast so we get done this week. <laughs> the verses that we looked at last week, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is saying, you know what's going on in your church? You're taking one another to law. And not only that, you're taking one another to law before the unsaved. And he goes on to say, isn't there a wise man among you, one of you believers, one of you saints, that you could go to and say, help us to pan this out, to figure this out. Upon who goes, whom goes the onus and on, upon whom goes the, the, the need for forbearance? Can't you just figure this out among yourselves? And he goes on to say, and you know what, Paul writing to the Corinthians, the best thing for you to do would be to forbear. Just walk away, to get over it. Rather than do hurt to the church and hurt to your personal testimony, testimony of your Christian home, and to do hurt to the testimony of the whole church in the community. Very important that we watch out for that. We'll now go to Romans chapter 15. Romans 15, the other scripture given you there. an additional thought to all of this. Him, that's talking about some person in the church, some person in your home, some person in the community. Him that is weak in the faith. That would be a fragile Christian, a novice, somebody new to Christ, somebody growing in Christ but not there yet. Him that is weak in the faith, receive, but not to doubtful disputations. Don't go over and over and go round and round about where he stands Take the highest road. Take the highest road. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who uh, is weak eateth only herbs. Now he's talking. Sorry. Sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. But that's where this is leading. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. That's where this is leading. He was talking about the fact, that's chapter 14, talking about the fact that there's situations in the church where Somebody thinks this way. Another person thinks this way. They were talking about meat offered to idols. There were Christians that could look at the meat offered to idols and say, doesn't bother me. There were new Christians that were saying, I struggle with the fact that that meat yesterday sat in front of an idol down here in the temple. Now, chapter 15, sorry about that. Another reason to go slower. We then that um, are strong ought to bear one another's infirmities. That is, the infirmities of the weak. There are those that are weaker in the faith. And not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor, that is, anyone by us, anybody around us, for his good to the edification of that believer. Now he gives us an example. For even Christ pleased not himself. But it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. What a perfect place 
for reprisal. There he was in Herod's judgment hall, and they were slamming him. There he was hanging on a cross, and they were slamming him. He saved others himself. He cannot save. Oh, really? You think I can't? What an opportunity for reprisal. But Jesus does not take it upon himself to exonerate himself in front of all those people that were throwing things, the English says, they're throwing it in his teeth. They were spewing out venom against the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. The creator of the universe who's looking at this this form of atoms, protoplasm, bone and skin, a beating heart, looking at them thinking, I could squish your heart in a moment. I could take your life from you in a moment. And I know everything you did. Jesus could have said, do you realize? I could tell your mother everything you did that she doesn't know about. I could tell your grandma and all your friends and neighbors. I could tell your school teachers everything you did behind their back. Do you realize that? Do you realize I could, I could bear your wrong in front of the entire Sanhedrin here and you're slapping my face? You're pulling out my beard. Do you realize Jesus could have done that? Talk about forbearance. And for whom? For the good of us. To help us along. And he was was talking. Good that we brought this other subject up. He was talking to Christians who were saying, I get my way, I want my way, I'll eat meat off of idols if I choose. So then verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for us to learn, for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The point again is, forbearance is a disposition to take the wrong rather than try to make my point, make everybody agree with me, trying to get people on my side or to stop being against me and wind up hurting the family, our testimony, the church, and maybe doing harm to our our testimony in the community. It is, in a phrase, forbearance is patient restraint. Patient restraint. Now be careful. There are some times when you have to say something. There are some times you do have to retort. The way to be ready to know when to say and when to hold our peace is to spend a lot of time on our knees. To stop, go to God's Word, ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us. We could be going into a confrontational situation and in the midst of that confrontation, because it's human with human, there could be a time we have to say, da, 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 no, that's not right. Let me correct the matter. But you can do that in a very kindly, compassionate, meek way. You put on those other things, and then when it is time to speak, you won't be violating forbearance. Let's move on. Back to Colossians chapter 3. Put on, therefore, elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on bowels of mercy, put on kindness, put on humbleness of mind, put on meekness, put on long-suffering. Forbearing one another and forgiving. Understand, once again, long-suffering, forbearing, and forgiving are all three different Greek words. Forgiving is another matter altogether. Now, the hurt has come. We were in forbearance. Maybe we operated under forbearance, but... 
then there's that possibility of malice building up within us, us becoming very, very um, hurt within. The next thing you know, we've got this grievance going on in the depths of our soul because we failed to just forgive as Jesus forgave us. That's the latter point. Forgiveness is this. Here's your, here's your uh, blank in your, in your outline. Forgiveness. It is the willingness to pardon even if they don't beg our pardon. The willingness to pardon rather than to exact a penalty. The willingness to pardon rather than to exact a penalty. I'm going to get a piece of your flesh. You did me wrong. Everybody knows you did me wrong. And I'm going to take it out on you. Forgiveness is something that we are to put on. To be one who pardons. Think of how much we've been pardoned. First, such command precludes, look, it precludes that there is discord. And that discord can abide. It can happen. That there can arise discord within the family. Look, remember, we are going to, very soon, we are going to wives submit, husbands love, children obey. We're going there. Then why doesn't he put this list of put on after we talk about the family? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't mess up the word. The Holy Spirit puts priorities first. Let's get all these things put on before we start talking about wives submit. You see, there is going to be discord. People do not see eye to eye all the time. And it can happen in the home and it can happen in the church. There can become a, there can come a confrontation. Boys and girls, it should never come to hit your brother with a stick. It's gone way too far when you hit your brother with a stick. Wives, it does not mean hit your husband with a stick. It's gone way too far if you're hitting your husband with a stick. But the fact of the matter is these things do still happen and it brings on the need to stop, to pardon, to have a forgiving spirit. That's certainly something that a pastor or anybody in leadership has to understand. There is a possibility of, as a human, trying to lead people in a wrong way. Trying to say something, spell it out, and spill out of the mouth things that are hurtful. When a person is seeking that forgiveness, we ought to give it, and sometimes, even when they don't seek it, Jesus is up there forgiving me right now. For something for yesterday, and I've not even ask him to please. I beg your pardon, Lord. That was so wrong. Because the fact of the matter is, you know, you're like me, at least somewhat, and that is, we can do a wrong and not even know how wrong we're doing. We can do a wrong and not realize, I just really hurt that person's feelings. Now that person has an opportunity to come after me and exact the penalty. To go off on me, to re- require me to pay something back, to fix something, to, or that person has the opportunity to just forgive. Your scriptures are these. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 11. Try to get to the right page this time. Mark 11, 25. And when ye stand praying, now, is Jesus talking to disciples 
and comparing them to others that do the opposite. When ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught, if you have anything against someone else, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. It opens the door to that continued pardon in heaven when we are the kind of people who pardon ourselves. And Jesus was the one that said that. The Lord wants to pardon, but if we're going to hold on, remember the parable of of the rich man who said, you owe me a million dollars. That's not what we read in the Scripture. You owe me a million dollars. And the man begins to weep. I don't have it. Will you give me some time? Okay, I'm going to forgive you all. Off he goes out into the streets and he finds the guy that owes him one dollar. And he has the man put in prison. You know the parable. Made the master very, very angry. Made the ruler very angry. There's the picture for us to forgive. Jesus says, when you stand praying, forgive that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Verse 16. But if ye have not forgiven, neither will, oh really, oh really, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. What? As though we have no trespasses? As though we've not violated and insulted the King of glory? Of course we have. We've done him no hurt? Of course we have. You mean even in my saved condition? Yes. The same thing can happen. And he's ready to pardon, but he's also looking for people who themselves will pardon, will forgive. Go to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 10, to whom ye forgive anything, Paul speaking about himself, I forgive also. He's talking about comfort after these people have been so bad in the first letter. I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it. In the person of Christ. Stop and think about the Lord Jesus Christ in this matter. Christ is our life. Is he not forgiving? He's so unforgiving, he comes to pay the penalty. Read on. Verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage. You might jot this in your notes if it's not there already. Yes, it is. True forgiveness. The kind of forgiveness that ought to go on in the home. The kind of forgiveness that ought to go on in the church. The kind of forgiveness that ought to epitomize the church as we wait for Christ's return. Elect of God, holy beloved. The, the kind of forgiveness that ought to, uh, to epitomize us in these last days because we're told that we have a conversation that ought to be holy. That kind of forgiveness will thwart the plan of Satan. Satan cannot make one human do wrong to another human if they are believers. Because Satan cannot take up residence in your heart. A person who is unsaved and is is dabbling in the occult, yes, they can not only be oppressed, they can be possessed. But the, the spirit of Satan cannot take up residence in us and therefore cause us to go over and do somebody harm or cause the other person to be unforgiving. But once he sees that clash go on among the brethren, once he sees the clash or his horrible hordes see the clash within the Christian home, then they take off. 
Their plan is to do us ruin. It is the cause of a third of the fallen, a third of the angels, the fallen angels, to cause mayhem in the home and the church all the time. We can, we can keep him from getting an advantage by just forgiving, by pardoning instead of exacting penalty. Let's go to the last one. Back to, uh, to Colossians 3. I think we're going to make it. Colossians 3 and verse 11, uh, 12 again. Put on, therefore, you that are the elect of God, you that are called the holy, the hogion, the saints, same word, the saints, same word, you that are beloved of the Father, put on, therefore, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another if any have a quarrel against any. If you're in a quarrelsome situation. And then take a look. By doing that, we emulate Christ. We show Christ. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye direct command. Christ is forgiving. He has forgiven us beyond our thoughts. Songwriter wrote, if every, I think I've mentioned this before, I just love this phrase, this phrase in the song. If every tree were a quill, writing pen, if all the oceans were ink, if all the skies were parchment, you would never be able to write the wonderful, forgiving heart of Christ for us. You'd never be able to write all that he did in bringing us redemption. What is that song? Beautiful song. Uh, Maybe you can give it to me afterwards. And then it goes on, back to verse 13. Forbearing one another, even as Christ forgave you, forgiving one another, as Christ forgave you, verse 14, and above who? What? And above all things. What? Now, I want to stop for a second. It's actually at the end of your notes. The last point in your notes. I want to stop for a second. He was writing to a group of Colossian believers that were living among Judaic Gnostics. Not tremendously different than the world today. The world today bows at the shrine of knowledge. They run to those that have lots of knowledge spilling out of them. In the last days, they will not, the Bible says, they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves, what's the word? Heap to themselves, teachers. Well, they're not going to heap to themselves a teacher that has nothing to say. They want to heap to themselves people who have some intellect that's way up here, and they want to draw on it. And they want to say, I went and saw, listened to Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so and Dr. So-and-so, and I read so-and-so's book and so-and-so's book. Today, like back then, people were bowing at the shrine of knowledge. Well, Paul had written about that. Your scripture verse given you there is 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. He's writing to them and he said, some of you people, you are so taken by knowledge. That's the the Corinthian church. Then he goes on to say, I want to tell you something. Something that is far superior to knowledge is exactly what he says again to the Colossians. So let's go back to it again, verse 14. 
And above all things, put on charity. The word there is agape. It's not charos. It's not brotherly love. It's agape. Put that on. It was so important to Paul that when he writes to the Corinthian church, he said, I want to talk to you about how important charity is over every, every other thing. He said, I could do all these wonderful things, and without charity, I'm become sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. I'm just a noisemaker. I'm missing charity. And to the Corinthians and to the Colossians and to First Baptist Church of Akron, he is saying above everything else, put on a benevolence. That, here's your blank, that seeks the best for the ones loved. Put on a benevolence that seeks the best. And you find that in the word benevolence, the benefit. That seeks the benefit of the ones loved. Not seeks to lavish them with a bunch of things that they want, but to understand, to stop and see, this individual, my family, Our church can best benefit from what I'm going to do here rather than just lavishing them or us with needless things. It is stopping to to look and see what will help the community, the Christian family, and the church. Go to Galatians 5. About that love, Galatians 5, In verse 6, I think we're done with blanks. Yes. It exhibits the proof of our faith. It exhibits the proof of our faith. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. It has nothing to do with your religiosity or all the, the rites that you go through. But faith that worketh by love. Love, love takes um, our faith and puts it in the, on the big screen. Love takes our faith and paints it in bright colors. It exhibits that we truly have that, that faith within us when we love, when we love, when we love. If we were to stop again, close our eyes, and to think of somebody that exhibits that kind of agape in this room, who would it be and would it be me? Do I need to put on more love? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Now the only verse that's given you there is verse 15. I actually want us to look at verses 14 through 16. Let's read them then look at the point. Ephesians 4, 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine, false teachings, the slight of men, the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Don't be that kind of a Christian. Now, verse 15, this is the context. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that 
which hath joint, whichever joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase, increase, keyword, measure and increase, keyword, increase, of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Not double talk. You have to slow down, think that through. The point has to do with the church, with the body of the church, with the Christian home, to understand that there is a way through love, through proper love, to convey the truths of the word, to not slam somebody for the deceitful teachings of man, but rather say, let's displace that falsehood with truth. You've been taught, you evolved. Let me show you in a very loving way what the Bible says. Let's displace error with truth. That's what we need to do in the Sunday school. That's what we need to do for our community in the Awana program. The kids are full of falsehood. Falsehood from the lifestyles that they, they live around. Falsehood from the education they get from books and teachers in many cases. Falsehood that they get from the, the screen, from the big screen in their living room. We are displacing that and we do it in love. And the end result of that is increase, edification. So your point is this. It supplements the health of the church. And we could say the Christian home too. When it is mixed with truth, love can supplement. It can be a, a, an aid. It can be the mineral resources that the family, the church needs. They need to be edified. We need to edify, but we must do it in love. It's a wonderful supplement. And, by the way, that kind of love causes people to want to listen to you. Dads. A loving dad that's trying to edify his children Children have a greater propensity to pay attention. Teachers, a loving teacher, a kindly teacher, a teacher that lavishes, children go, tell me what you have to say. By the way, children have supple minds ready to take it in. Very easy to work with. Next point, go to John chapter 13. John 13. Verses 34 and 35. And a new commandment I give unto you. He's talking to disciples. Well, that would be everyone in this room that's born of Christ. New commandment give I unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. Key point. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The point is it demonstrates our discipleship. It demonstrates that I belong to the Lord and I want to do what he wants me to do because disciple means disciplined one. And I'm willing to put that on. I'm willing to put that love on. And that love that I have put on then exhibits that I am his follower, that I am wanting to do what he commands me to do. Lastly, go all the way back to our uh, text scripture. Colossians 3. 
that love, that agape love within the home, within the church, the point is this. It is an adhesive. It is an epoxy. It is a glue. Put whatever word you want in there. It is a bonding agent that binds believers together as we move toward that level, that next level of perfection, that next level of sanctification, that next level of walk with the Lord that we ought to have. Love will bind us together, and it says that right in the Scriptures. Colossians 3, Colossians 3 and verse 14. Above all, Christians, put on God-like love, Christ-like love, a giving love that does the best, does the good for the one loved. goes on, which is the bond of perfectness. Wonderful glue. That kind of love will make us stronger as a church in these last days. That kind of love will cause us to help one another in these last days. The fact that love is last in this list is not because it's the least. It's said that. It is above all. If we have that kind of love, it will be so much easier to pour out compassion. If we have that kind of love, it will be so much easier for us to exercise meekness. It will put us in our place. If we have that kind of love, that kind of love will make us forgive and forgive and forgive, forbear. Just step back and realize, I love you too much to go off on you. That kind of love will help us as we come together to start every week to go out and face the rigors of a very wicked world. That kind of love will send us off better prepared for the Lord's service day in, day out, day in, day out, until we come back together or until we stand before him at his throne. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your Spirit you guided one of your choice servants, your outstanding apostle, to write these things to the church. We know them and see them to be so valuable to us so helpful. We know that they will be so good as we look to the matter of the home in days to come. But they certainly, if we will put them on, because you told us, if we will put them on, they will be of such aid. They will be such a supplement. They will be such an encouragement. They will make our church right before you. It will show us to be moving toward that image of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you take these things and work them into our hearts. We'd ask that if there's someone here in our service today that's without Christ, that they would know that you want them to be saved. If they're without Christ, that they would know that we want them to come to you and that they are invited to just let us know, to just talk to the person next to them, in front of them, to talk to the pastor and say, I would like to know more about this matter of salvation, the way to heaven, this wonderful love of Christ for us. Again, we ask that you bring praise to yourself as we sing a song of praise to close our service in Jesus' name. Amen.